Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop Highway 7 Ridgeline from TSPN, the Survival Podcast Network Headquarters. Today is actually Thursday, October the 6th, and this is uh, episode 757 of the Survival Podcast, and we have a cool show today. I have Mr. Mark Halley hanging on the line. Mark went through some pretty harrowing experiences with a house fire, uh, lost everything, and learned a lot from the experience in dealing with... uh, fire preparation both before and after the fact and I think a lot of things that are going to uh, relate to other disasters that would affect our home, our dwelling, our structure. Of course this show was recorded in advance because today as you're listening to this I'm probably on an airplane somewhere between Little Rock, Arkansas and Salt Lake City, Utah. I hope to see some of you guys at the Self-Reliance Expo in Salt Lake City uh, tomorrow and Saturday. Uh, I really hope to see some of you guys come by. Again I am looking for help at the booth. I've had people email me and go, what exactly do you need? It's really simple. I need some listeners that will come by our booth. We'll give you a free T-shirt. You'll hang out in the booth with us. We'll give you a little briefing on what we're doing. And uh, basically, you'll be booth staff for a while and maybe give us a time to like take a pee break and have something to eat. Uh, and especially when I'm presenting, uh, Dorothy would like to at least see one of the presentations. She wasn't able to see either one of them last time. Uh, so that's kind of all we need is just some folks to come by the booth that are going to be there that don't mind spending a few hours uh, in the morning or the afternoon. Sometimes Some of the folks that came by in uh, Denver spent almost the whole day with us, and we even went out and grabbed something to eat afterward on, on the Saturday. So, um, you know, that's kind of what we're looking for and kind of what we need. Uh, before we get into the main topic today's show, and I bring Mark on, though, let's go ahead and take care of our housekeeping. Housekeeping item one, as always, let's take care of those sponsors. Uh, first sponsor today is actually Fortress Defense Consultants, Frank Sharp, and uh, Frank Sharp Jr., actually, up there in Illinois, who runs one of the best schools I think there is for firearms training and all things rate related to defense. Uh, and Frank, of course, will travel. If you have a group that you want to put together, he'll come to a local range and do the training in your area. So don't think you always have to go to Illinois, uh, though it makes a lot of sense to go up there because it is his uh, base of operations. And he has some really great courses he puts together. Uh, quick announcement on Frank. He'll be on the show again uh, tomorrow. Uh, so I'm actually going to be interviewing him uh Two days ago, and uh, you'll be listening to him tomorrow. Uh, temporal things are kind of out of whack here, but he's going to be on, and we're going to be talking about a lot of things, uh, but including uh, rifles and shotguns for home defense scenarios. So tune in tomorrow to hear that. Next up today, Safe Castle Royal, the original survival podcast sponsor. Uh, they, I call them the original sponsor because they were the first ones to step up and sponsor the show. They have a great discount buyers club. That's valued at 29 bucks. Uh, you uh, become a MSB member, uh, member support brigade member. You get that membership for free. It's just one of the uh, 29 vendors supporting us. But that's a great benefit. So uh, Vic over there at Safe Castle's really been uh, supporting the show for a very long time. So uh, maybe you can throw them some business. Anything you need for your prepping, from tactical uh, stuff to uh, long-term food storage uh, to alternative energy products, you'll find at Safe Castle. They also build some of the best hardened shelters uh, you'll find anywhere in the world. So check out Safe Castle. Today, they're at prepared.pro. And remember that the uh, best way to make sure you're dealing with a Survival Podcast sponsor, go to our website, survivalpodcast.com, and click on one of their banners in the right-hand margin. Uh, real quick, uh, remember we do have a contest going on right now with Bulk Ammo. They're giving away over $500 worth of ammo. All you got to do is go to their site and ask some questions. I'll put a link to details about that contest today. And we also had the AR-15 Upper from Rock River Arms valued at 900 bucks. Uh, Robert over at ReadyMade uh, had to extend the contest a little bit to accommodate some people who had problems entering the contest. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, he did a good job with that, and now we have a winner. And I won't give away last names or specifics because people don't like that. But the guy that won is named Howard, and he's in the Nashville, Tennessee area, and he won that Rock River Arms Upper. Uh, Robert already wants to know what they can do next. So after the bulk ammo contest is uh, wrapped up, I'm going to see if anybody else wants to step up. If not... Robert will be back again. We're looking to give away large, uh, large dollar prizes going forward, folks. Uh, the sponsors are taking care of you. Remember that, please, when it comes time to 
decide who you're going to give some business to. Next up, remember, connect with me Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Check out the forum. Check out the gear shop. And do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you do that, you get exclusive content available only to members. I will be doing a sale, $15 off the MSB while I'm in Salt Lake City. Uh, so I'm going to leave that sale behind for you guys over the weekend as well, between now and Sunday night, midnight. Uh, you can use the discount code Salt Lake, one word, Salt Lake, and that will give you 20 bucks off your first year of the Member Support Brigade. New customers only. Uh, sorry, I can't, and when I'm away, I can't handle the extending of existing accounts. It's all about the way PayPal works, folks. Trust me, if I could let you extend with a sale, I'd be happy to. It would be good for all of us. But new customers only, Salt Lake sale running from today through Sunday. Um, and the discount, the discount again is $20 off your first year. It's only good for one year memberships. With that, I have the housekeeping wrapped up. It's time to bring on, uh, our special guest, uh, again, Mark Halley. Mark's been, again, like I said, through some really harrowing experiences. Uh, he had a house fire and, uh, had insurance, but found out a lot of things about having to fight with your own insurance company. Found out the people that show up the day of the fire to help you are not necessarily all of, always your friends. Found out that some of the people that would come and victimize you in your hours of greatest need. Uh, had stuff stolen off the site the night of the fire by the people that were sent there to secure the property. Uh, it's, it's really an amazing experience, and I think we can learn a lot from it. And he's here today to help us do just that. Uh, so, Mark, welcome to the Survival Podcast, and thanks for being here and uh, sharing this with us today. Thank you, Jack. I really appreciate the time, you know, and especially for your listeners as far as a fellow prepper out there to, to give them some insight, you know, and what to avoid, you know, based on, you know, our mishap. And if I can help other people avoid this whole scenario, you know, that's, you know, more power and that's, a, you know, that's all I want out of this is just to help other people out there. So before we get into kind of the things you've learned from this, just take us back to that night. I mean, what, how, how did everything go down? What happened? Uh, and where'd you end up at the end of that, that evening? Yeah, um, actually for us, uh, we live in a two-family home. My in-laws own the building. We lived upstairs above them. And I was actually during the day, right about noon, uh, let's say my wife, you know, was trying to call me at work, but I was in a meeting and she sends me a text saying, hey, the house is on fire. You know, that's definitely not a text you ignore. So quickly got on the phone and come to find out the house was actually on fire. So luckily I'm only 10 minutes from home and no one was home at the time, but apparently the electrical panel in the basement Somehow started a fire in the, and the fire started in the basement. And, uh, pretty much from there, you know, what the, the wreckage, I guess the firemen do, you know, they just doing their job. So you can't blame them for anything. But then everything else followed after that with all these people just coming at you with questions and offering their services. It's just, it's extremely overwhelming, I'd say, in the first two hours than anything else going on. I mean, what were like some of like, okay, obviously the first thing is everybody's out, everybody's alive, everybody's okay, nobody's hurt, and then there's a relief from that, and then the reality sets in, and what were those first couple hours really like? Um, I guess a big part is just a shock, you know, you just wonder yourself when you, what are you going to do now, you know, because you never think this is going to happen. We were extremely diligent, you know, we'd turn off the furnace, even in the winter time before we'd leave, you know, never left candles going, never left the dryer on, you know, just as adamant as you could about, you know, protecting yourself, making sure this stuff never happens, and it still happens, you know, it's just a hard blow, and, you know, you kind of have to take a, you know, a step back and breathe a little bit just to see, all right, you know, everybody's okay, the most important things, but, you know, of course, your items are, are part of who you are, you know, and a part of that makes it, you know, makes it difficult to see, all right, the fire, you know, what's damaged and how bad is it damaged and, you know, just, you just start thinking so many, you know, financially, how's, how are you going to take care of this? And luckily we had insurance. I couldn't even imagine what it's like for someone who didn't have insurance or someone who actually lost a family member in a fire. You know, my sympathy, every time I hear a fire on the TV or the radio, you know, my heart just goes out to those families now just based on the fact what we've been through and even, even worse if something like that happened. And, uh, and then you just kind of have to start putting a game plan, I guess. And, you know, my object of, of this call is to help people have a game plan. So you have to do less worry, a little less worrying and maybe more action in order, you know, to get you settled, get you through this and, and avoid, you know, a lot, a lot of heartache, a lot of emotional stress and physical stress. You know, it just, it really wreaks havoc on you. We're still actually 
in the building process now. They just started rebuilding the house in September, and hopefully by they're saying about January we'll be back in the house in our original home. So, I mean, I think a lot of people probably have pretty big misconceptions about how this process works. I think there's a lot of people you have insurance. House burns down, insurance company goes out and goes, yeah, house burned down. No, you didn't do it yourself. It wasn't arson. Here's a check. Build yourself a new house. And, and it, it's that quick. Um, not how it works, huh? Not even remotely. You pretty much have to fight, you know, tooth and nail with every, everything you go through, every item. You know, everybody's just trying to save their dollars. I mean, you have to fight with the insurance company. I've heard countless stories of people just, you know, having to get a lawyer against your insurance company, which you have a contract that, you know, binds them to, you know, you need to cover us for the stuff and, you know, seeking out the attorney general and it's on and on. It's, it's just people are just fighting to hold on to their dollars and you have to fight back to make sure they pay for it. You know, and I, I think there's a, a lot to be learned here about insurance uh, and, and you know, reconciling a claim. And I think that for you it's going to pertain directly to fire because that's what you went through. But there's a lot of other things that can completely wipe out, destroy a house, and destroy everything in it. And they'd have to go through the same thing. So I think this is also a universal topic with anything that would destroy your home. And unfortunately, there's more than one thing that can do that to us. But what are some of the things that you think you should do before a fire uh, or any situation where you can lose your entire home, whether it's a storm or, or flooding or anything, uh, to prepare yourself for the situation? Because we all have to accept the fact that even if, like you, we're diligent, we do what we're supposed to do, that we, we, we could have this happen anyway. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I got a little checklist I'll just read through, you know, that I started putting together for people. And um, basically, you know, just have yourself an escape plan. Luckily for us, it was during the day, but, you know, I've heard stories of a lot of times it happens at night when people are home. And it's not exactly the fire or the smoke that kills you. It's actually the toxins in the smoke, you know, from what I've gathered speaking with a lot of people that that'll take you down first. So it's not even necessarily the heat or the flames. And it gets hot in the house. Our basement was probably 3,000 degrees. And on the second floor, they probably hit like about 1,000 degrees. I mean, you definitely see like, you know, plastic shrinkage and stuff like that. So your escape plan, practice it, practice it with kids, make sure they know what's going on, you know, make sure they can get out. Uh, and then also inspect your fire protection alarm and equipment regularly. Your sprinkler systems, fire extinguishers, smoke detectors. I mean, we live in a city, so it's a little different. You know, the firemen can get there quickly. For those that don't, I guess kind of have a plan is what can you do to put your fire out? Because if you're waiting on the fire, the voluntary fire department, your house will be gone by the time they even get there because it just happens so fast. Uh, security. Place all your important insurance information, documents, currency, and valuables in a fire and waterproof safe. That, that luckily that saved me quite a bit. My firearms were in a, a fireproof safe and my important valuables were in a fireproof safe and everything in there is unscathed. So spending the money up front on a top-notch safe is worth it in the end. Uh, your inventory. That's a big part of what the insurance looks for is what you had in the home and the more documentation you have for that, the easier and the quicker the uh, process goes and the claim goes. So make sure you inventory your, your household items. Start in one room. Go room to room. What's in there? And it's amazing how fast everything adds up. You think you're you think you have you know eighty thousand dollars worth of property, and you almost have to double it by the time you're done because there's just so many little items. You know, you buy stuff every year, every month. You go shopping. All those things add up. And they actually have companies out there. I think one of them is called uh, Neat Receipts where you can actually scan in your receipts and inventories, all that for you, categorize it, you know, really helps because, as we know, all the thermal receipts now last about a month and they're gone. So you definitely want to make copies of those, not just have the originals because by the time you need them, they'll disappear and there'll be nothing on it. Um, your account information, keep current emergency lists of every every account you have, you know, including home bills, loan accounts, magazine subscriptions, family members, even if it's a spreadsheet, Put it on a spreadsheet so when you need to change your address because you're going to be temporarily living somewhere else, even if it's a flood, fire, or even if it's a bad enough theft, you know, it can happen. You want your information so that way you can contact these people and you don't have to try to guess, all right, what's this? How do I get a hold of this magazine? How do I get this bill changed? And um, list all your bills in the respective due dates also because bills every month come in regardless of what your status is. People want their money. And you gotta make sure, you know, you're able to contact those people, let them know the situation. And we've been, and as far as, like, companies understanding, people have been very understandable. As far as, you know, 
having a house fire. They sympathize with you. They try to do what they can for you. Uh, list all your medications and all your doctors because if the house burns, all your medicines in there, and some people need their medicine three, four times a day, you want to make sure you can get that information out right away. Uh, legal contact information. Make sure you have some sort of legal advice. You have the attorney general's number. In case this does happen, you're able to contact the right people. You can get the ball rolling faster. You're not looking for a uh, any legal advice or a lawyer. You already have a name ready to go. Especially someone who specializes in this kind of thing because there are mediators out there that handle this stuff. And a lot of times it doesn't even go to court. It's just once they send a letter to your insurance company, the ball gets rolling. Um, contractors. There's plenty of restoration contractors out there. Uh, builders, people who might need to rebuild your home. Demolition experts, dry cleaners, and uh, security, which you know is a huge, huge thing you don't even think of. There's so many fire cases out there. You know, Criminals listen to police scanners. They listen to the news. Hey, there's a fire there. That night, they're at your home trying to steal what they can out of it, steal the copper piping and all that stuff. It's They definitely go to a whole new level you know, from this experience I've seen. So you get to be ready for that, even if you have to have a name of a security company or have some friends sit in the driveway with their shotgun waiting for anybody to show up. You know, you do what needs to get done. Don't put anybody's life at risk, but you want to make sure presence is there so that, you know, to distract any of the uh, not-so-innocent people. Uh, your 72-hour bag or your bug-out bag, make sure it's in your car. I got caught with this one. I took it out of the car to update it, and lo and behold, whatever I was wearing to work that day, that's all I, was, that's all I had on me. So even if you get a, a pair of underwear and a candy bar, stick it in a Ziploc and put it in your car because... Whatever you left with that day or whatever you leave out of the house wearing, that's what you have. So make sure you have some your bug-up bag in your car at all times, no matter what. Even if you're updating it, put it right back in there. Uh, security services, there's plenty of contractors out there. You can just have somebody's name and number handy. So if you, we ended up having the police after the first night, which is a little late now, but they sat in our driveway, you know, making sure nobody else tried to enter the home after they boarded it up. And uh, storing your seasonal clothes, like your your hunting equipment, a lot of times, especially with, I guess, uh, the firemen come in with the house doesn't completely burn, they f- fill your house with water. It is amazing how much water they can pump into these, you know, from these machines. And you have a couple feet of water in your basement. And if that's where you store your stuff or whatever floor it's in, we had bedrooms that were just completely soaked. Um Store them in like a sealed plastic bag and in a plastic bin so that way at least they'll float. They'll be away from the water. And if there's just smoke damage in your home, they'll protect it from there. It's a lot cheaper to just replace, you know, a $5 Walmart plastic bin, a garbage bag, than all your items that were in there. And uh, I guess that, I guess kind of sums it up for the, uh, trying to stay ahead of it. Wow, um, it, it, just a tremendous number of things that I think most people just wouldn't think of. I think that some of the big things I've taken from this, that we're doing right for the for not maybe this reason, but they kind of overlap. Is you know we keep quite a few uh, the items as far as extra clothing and kind of a contingency put together in our RV uh, instead of like having everything come out of there and come inside the house. Where at least if we lost the house, we still have that. Um, and then your your seventy two hour kit was it? Did you, when you took it out of your car to go through it? Did you have it actually in the home? Yep, it was in the home. Ooh. That hurts, huh? It, it really, it really stings, you know. So, so from now on, definitely, it'll be in the car. Wow! Um, and you, you guys were, were robbed by the people that came to board the house up. Yeah, I mean, there's no way of proving it because by the time they got there, actually, when they showed up, the demolition team, they, uh, I think, uh, I can't remember their name, some vendor, third party vendor that they brought in from another state to board up the house. And actually, when they showed up, their box truck scratched my father-in-law's truck, you know, coming in. So that, you know, that was the whole starting point of that. And they were in the home for about, it was about 10 hours. They didn't leave till about 4.30 in the morning. And, uh, you know, I had left probably around 9 o'clock to take care of the kids. I guess, you know, you hire someone, you assume, you know, that they're going to do a good job. They do what they're supposed to do. And then, uh, so they boarded everything up, locked the doors. You know, put padlocks actually on the doors, you know, so no one could get in, no forced entry or anything. Then coming home the next, you know, coming back home the next morning and seeing, you know, your apartment just completely, completely just destroyed. It looked like a tornado went through the home. It was just, that upset me more than the house burning, you know, because that, at that point, it's just somebody just treading on your property, just violating, you know, your life. 
Well, yeah, of course it does, because the fire is a fire. It's an inanimate object. It, fire, we can actually make a case for it. It acts like a living thing, but it doesn't have a mind or a thought process. It doesn't do it with the intent of harm, and it certainly doesn't understand it's doing harm. Human beings who come in and do a job like that, especially in that business, where you know you're coming in to do this for someone that just was a victim of a fire, um, is a special low form of life. And i got to say you're a better man than me, because there might be, um, you know, I might be in jail uh, if somebody did that to me, I, I real, I mean, you probably had to exercise a lot of self control and think, got to do the right thing to family to not go after those guys. I guess even if you could have found them, absolutely, you know, and that's that's a big part of it. It's like you know, you're kind of stuck. You can't really prove it because I didn't. Nobody saw them do it, but they were the last ones in, the last ones out. It, it, it's kind of obvious, you know, when stuff they when you see stuff, you know, that was on the porch and taken into the house and ra- and rifled through. You kind of know that, you know, they had plenty of time. You know, my dad's done construction for most of his life, and it doesn't take ten hours, you know, to put boards on a window. No, I've seen people drywall a house in ten hours, uh, right, literally, exactly. literally. So I, I, I don't buy that, and I, I also think that it's probably the typical criminal scum mindset of, oh, they're getting the insurance money anyway. You know, um, but what what a low form of life. Let's let's go on before I go into a jack rant. That <laughs> um, once this has happened, and you, I mean, okay, so you got insurance, but you know, you're a year without a house. Um, your whole life is disrupted. Kids still got to go to school. Parents still got to go to work. Bills still got to be paid, and somewhere you got to find a roof. Who can you turn to for assistance when you're you're dealing with a situation like this? Yeah, there's actually uh, quite a few people. I mean, having a place to stay or, you know, a name of a close family member, you know, for us, it's kind of, uh, my family is all local, so it's pretty easy for us to find something. But um, the, usually your insurance companies, they offer, you know, they can put you in a hotel right away first night, you know, if need be. They have things like that. And while you're not at home anymore, they uh, put you in temporary housing, fully furnished, still defining your apartment. And they'll furnish it for you, you know, and that's pretty much everything except, you know, your personal items. They put everything in the kitchen, utensils. So whatever you need, you know, they furnish that for you. And there's time limits though. They give you up to two years basically for your house to get rebuilt and whatnot. So upfront, finding a place, you know, we thought about going to a hotel, but then you're eating out all the time and it just cost effective. It's just too much. We're being at a relative's or a friend's house, you know, we were able to have you know, someone babysit the children while we were out taking care of the home and take care of other issues, you know, and that played a huge, huge benefit as far as, you know, getting things done early. Did you eventually, though, did they provide you like a, a rent house or something like that? Is that what you did long term? Yes, currently we're in a, uh, we're still in the city. They found us, we found a, a rental proper, a rental apartment and, you know, they furnished it for us. So we're pretty much just waiting here until they finish the house and then we move back. Okay. Okay. Um, any other groups that maybe were helpful with uh, with just piecing everything back together? Yep. Yeah, actually, yeah. The local Red Cross was awesome. You know, they showed up. They gave us all like a kind of like a little bag that had toothbrush, soap, face cloth, um, and then actually earlier after later on in that day, we actually went to the local Red Cross and they provided you with like a change of clothing. You know, they're all donated items. They give the kids like a stuffed animal. And they also give you some financial assistance if you need it up front. And, and that was, I'd say, the most, one of the most helpful things we, we had the whole time. It, it really, you know, made an impact and it really helped us out. How about neighbors and community and all? Have, there's, have there been people that have been re- reached out to help you that way? Oh, absolutely. We've had like, uh, like I said, we've had the greatest of people and the worstest of people in this in this instance. Neighbors, you know, living in the city, like you always say, you don't really know them. And honestly, I met them by name for the first time while the house was on fire. You know, and they and they're they were very good, very sympathetic, you know, offering whatever we needed, use their bathroom, um, you know, offering places to stay. You know, people are definitely out there, you know, trying to help as much as they can. And, and it's tough, you know, you gotta kinda put your pride aside and say, All right, you know, we need help. And we can't just, you know, we'll take care of it. We'll find something else to do, especially when your kids are involved. You kind of just have to, you know, accept a little humiliation and just, okay, you know, take the help. You know, it's, it'll make life a little easier, make a little bit less worry for you. And uh, and then we've had friends that just went around soliciting, like, businesses to get, you know, like, free meals at McDonald's or gift cards to restaurants and, and things like that. So th- there have been some awesome, awesome people out there helping out. And I think that's the biggest thing is, 
you know, letting people know what happened because a lot of times people, they'll be mad at you if they find out a week later that they didn't know. So you kind of just have to spread the word, let people spread the word, you know, and just take whatever assistance you can get and, you know, offer them. Even if you, if it's something simple, hey, can you wash this, you know, load of laundry for me? You know, that's remarkably helpful because at first you don't have any place. All your normal day-to-day stuff has changed. It's kind of like being in a raw situation. You're just thrown out there and you have nothing. So now you got to kind of figure out how do you take care of yourself? How do you take care of your family? And, you know, how do you get through the day-to-day stuff? Yeah, and I imagine also things like that load of laundry at one time may have represented 10% of your family's clothing and now may represent 95% of your family's clothing. Absolutely, absolutely. It's amazing how fast that shrinks and, and, and stuff. Like I said, the dry cleaning was just you know, a whole horror story on its own where it all comes back, I'd say 90% of it, and it just doesn't even fit. Because on the second floor, for us, it was mostly smoke damage. Yeah. So, you know, smoke, I mean, you have a closed box, you know, and the smoke is still inside there. It is amazing where it creeps in. Wow. Wow. Um, are there some things you would recommend people not do that might make the situation worse once you're dealing with it? Um, as, as far as, like, as the house fire goes, I guess having your information ready in the beginning Literally, we had three different vendors offering their restoration services while the house was still burning. I'd say within an hour, they're there. They're listening to the scanners. I understand they're just trying to do their job, but you know, they're uh, the biggest thing you fall for is that you know they try to make you feel good. We'll take care of it. You know, we'll make sure everything's all right. We'll take care of your stuff. We'll get it out of here quickly. Clean it quickly. And and it's just the absolute opposite, you know, with our experience and in, in dealing with these companies. And uh, the best, you know, the biggest thing to do is just. You know, politely take their card, tell them you'll contact them if they need them and whatnot. If you don't have anybody, you know, you've planned in advance or spoke to referrals, you know, everybody out there is going to have some good referrals, but you know, you got to look at the majority, I guess, and really do your research and who's good locally and who's not. And your kiddos, um, you've got two kids, is that right? Three, uh, two Three. girls and a boy. Two girls and a boy. So how old are they? Uh, they are... Let me see. 12, <laughs> 11, and 6. See, I got one. I always know how old it is. Um, with, with the kids of that varying age, you've got kind of like the preteen with the, you know, the typical preteen attitude. You've got the really little kid that gets easily scared. I mean, how, how have they dealt with this and what kind of conversations have you had to have with them to make them realize, yeah, this really sucks and you lost everything, but it's going to be okay? Um, how, I mean, our kids are generally pretty resilient, but what have you learned in interacting with your children through this? Um, yeah, they're definitely, you know, luckily that the resiliency is there in children. You know, at first it was very difficult for them because pretty much everything they own, all their toys, everything that's, you know, you know, their biggest parts of life, you know, is what they own. You know, all that stuff is kind of gone up front. So, you know, it's hard to cushion them. You know, say, all right, you know, you can't get that stuff back. You know, we can replace it, but, you know, everything can't happen at once. So it, it was definitely, uh, you know, emotional for them. They had a hard time for a few weeks, you know, just to get past it. You know, they missed the house. And, you know, even to this day, they're still like, you know, we missed the house. But I guess they're kind of, you know, they got adjusted to being where we're at now. And luckily, they were in like a little apartment community where there's tons of kids, you know, and they've had the experience to just play with these kids, and it really helps take their mind off it, and you know, it gives them like I guess a l- another sense of adventure, and you know, it's exciting for them a little bit now. But definitely, you know, it constantly just you know reassuring them it's going to be okay, nobody's hurt. You know, we only had a couple of hermit crabs that we lost, so you know, we didn't lose any major pets that they were attached to, and you know, and that helps a little bit. But um, it's just staying with them, you know, just consoling them, just. Let them know it's going to be okay, giving them, you know, hugs and kisses, you know, as proud as you are or as tough as you are, you know, that's just what it comes down to. You gotta, you gotta come down to their level and, and emotionally be there for them. And like this rent house that they, uh, they got your rental apartment, was it, were you able to at least keep them like in the same school district? Cause I mean, that'd, that'd be another thing to be, you know, told you have to go to a different school. Yeah, um, our kids, we send them to a private school or a Catholic school. So, okay, so I didn't really- it hasn't been a huge issue, but, um, usually it, there's plenty of apartments throughout the city. We probably looked at a good six of them before we settled on this one. And, um, and I think mostly we took it because it had a large basement. So as we got stuff back from the cleaners, we had a place to put it. And uh, so, yeah, the district was an issue. But I think being in the city, you could easily find something. If you um, – a lot of places, if you live like out where you have a couple acres or something, the insurance company will actually – 
you know, if you want to bring, you know, a truck over a, a mobile home where you could stay in while during the whole rebuilding process. So at least, you know, you're not too far away, you're, you're still living on your own property, you have a place to stay, you know, that's fully furnished for you so you can maintain, you know, being in the same school district, same area and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess that would be ideal. It's probably the route I would go. Uh, in my situation, not for kids, but just to be near my home. Because it, it sounds to me like it, once this happens and you're thinking, okay, well, at least the fire department's here and the, and the contractors are here and all. If something is being done at your home, you should probably be there. Even the, like the first night when guys are there to board it up. I'm sure if you had it to do again, you would have probably been standing out there. Probably if you could have got away with it with an AR on your back, uh, watching these guys board up your house. Absolutely. I think if I was there the first night, there would have been some bodies flying through the windows. <laughs> enough. If I would have known that my martial arts experience would have definitely come in handy. Yeah. And um, you probably seen some naked guys running down the street if I had my way. But um, yeah, which pretty much brings me, I guess, to my my uh, first 24 hours list. Kind of create a little list of what to do in the first 24 hours. Uh, one of the most important things is you know let the firemen do their job. They are gonna smash every window, every door. Cut a hole in the roof and cut a hole in each floor to do what they need to do to get the smoke out of the house so they can get in there and assess the situation. So you have glass everywhere. You have water coming in through the roof. You know, you have water just pouring into the basement and, you know, they just do what they have to do and you have to accept that. You know, I guess that's part of the initial shock because you go in there, it's like, wow, the firemen just destroyed this place. But, you know, it's their job. You know, they have to be safe and, you know, and, that's totally respected. And luckily, some of the firemen there were actually friends of ours, so, you know, that definitely helped out a bit. They were able, you know, to give us a little a little assistance, a little help tell us, you know, what we need to do. Yeah, I so, guess uh, another thing with that, too, that people need to understand is, like, when they're po- poking holes in your roof and all, to, to not just to be safe, but once your house is engulfed, it's pretty well, it's, 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 in, it's, it's not going to come out the other side in, in good shape, period. And one of their other goals is they're, they're there to prevent that fire from leaping to the next house and to the next house. So they, they have to take some pretty drastic measures. Absolutely, especially when the neighbors are only like, you know, 25 feet away, you know, living in the, in the crowded city. So that next house is pretty close by, you know, and our house was only about 25 years old where the neighbor's house was like 150 years old. So you can imagine how fast, you know, they were burned down just by a couple of sparks flying over to their side of the road. And uh, I guess as far as uh, what to do immediately, the, you know, we got the okay from the fireman. Okay, you can go in. You know, the firemen are more than happy. If there's something you need, you can tell them exactly where it is, and they'll go get it for you. You know, so if there's some items you don't want to go in there for whatever reasons, because your shoes will get just covered in glass, your clothes will smell like they've never smelled before, and and it's just like it's still even after all the smoke's gone, it's still hard to breathe because the smell and the smoke smell and the the toxins are just still in the air. And uh, so you want to remove any. Immediate items like firearms, jewelry, personal documents, photos, and luckily I have enough sense to take those items out because I just, you know, they're valuable and you, you want to make sure those don't get into the wrong hands because once firearms get stolen, that's a whole nother issue. The police need to get involved, you know, you need serial numbers and stuff like that, which makes it a whole lot more complications. And then, uh, call your insurance agent in the first 24 hours, start a claim. As soon as they know, they'll send somebody over there, assess situation, and up front, usually they give you a check to get you started. Say, all right, we know your house is ruined, so you know you're going to get some of this money out of us. So, you know, they give you something, that, you know, I guess if you have a good insurance company, which luckily we did, and uh, they give you some cash up front to help you get started, get you situated. You can go buy some clothes for your family. Um and then you want to contact any family members that will be affected by this. So if you're living with other family members or family members close by, let the neighbors know if, you know, if they're not home, just so they don't come home, you know, to the shock of, hey, you know, what happened to the house? Is my house okay? And things like that. And then you want to find temporary housing. Find a friend, a family member, you know, that can accommodate you for the first few nights, which is probably the best way to go that way. They can kind of, Help you out, make you some meals so that way you don't have to worry about, okay, I gotta feed the kids and, you know, take care of this and that. You have a place to stay and, cause the stress just through the roof, you know, the first, definitely the first couple of days before it even really sinks in. It's just the, the overwhelming of emotion and, and just heartache that you start feeling. Uh, and then you want to arrange for utilities to either get canceled or postponed, turn off your cable, electricity, gas, water, sewer, telephone, recycling, garbage. All those things, you want to make sure they get shut off, you know, so that way the less, this, the sooner you stop paying for a bill, the better off for you. Uh, you want to be on site at all times. Hire security if you had to. 
have a friend there, like we stated before. Uh, keep a notebook handy so you can write down notes. Keep a timeline of everybody's coming and going, who's there, who's not there, which company's there, um, everyone who has access to your home. And even better, ask for a copy of their ID before they begin doing any work. So that way if anything happens, anything disappears, you can go back and take care of this person need be later on because you have their name, you have their information, and you'll be able to take care of that. Do you think it, that right there is a big um – dissuader, I would say, from corrupt behavior, that if if every one of those guys that walked in there to do the boarding job, you had stopped them and got their name and, and their, their company ID before they walked in that door, that they would have been probably a lot less likely to do what they did on the way out. Absolutely. If they knew that I had their personal information, I mean, we had the company, and the owner of the company came over the next day, but... They just deny everything, you know. They're of like, course. Well, maybe somebody came in through this. Somebody came in through this, you know, little window down there. But you know, definitely, if you have that information ahead of time, they're aware that they can get a hold of this person. And I think that would definitely curb a lot of the, you know, not so, not so uh, innocent people or people that are just trying to take make a take advantage of a quick situation as opposed to the professionals. It'll definitely curb that, you know, having that information up front. And that way, if you have any legal action, you don't have to go searching for it or research it. You already have it. And then uh, I guess next you want to start the restoration process. Contact your preferred restoration company. There's tons of them out there. There's uh, small companies, big companies. Unfortunately, we went with Service Master, which I actually found a website out there that it's just complaints and complaints and complaints of this company. You know, this is just, I guess I'll throw in my disclaimer that this is not legal written word and it should only be used as guidance lesson aggravation of dealing with the issues related to a house fire. I present this advice as in my opinion, in my opinion, solely based on my personal experience that my family and I had in dealing with our own burning. So just use this information. You know, I'm just telling my story, my experience. You know, nothing legal about this stuff. And Service Master, I guess, is the worst company I guess we could have chosen, I think. There might be worse out there, but they definitely have a history of, you know, stuff like this. And I think from what I've gathered and read and spoken with people, it is – I think just globally, it's just the way it is. People in these kind of situations are out there making their money and toss your side, assuming insurance is just going to cover it. Uh, and then, you know, start with the dry cleaning. If it's just, you know, if it's completely burned, then less to worry about. But if you have, you know, a lot of smoke damage, the sooner you can take it to your cleaners, we actually use the uh, Sal's dry cleaning, which actually, Service Master, they have all their vendors. So they send it to their preferred dry cleaner, their preferred uh, builders and stuff like that. And this clothes came back. It, it was just, there's some that came back great, but a lot of it, the chemicals, every single backpack and purse that we had completely destroyed. It was just, the, we even had the guy come over and showed him in this, in my child, in my son's backpack, he had a little plastic toy phone and I pulled it out of the pocket and it was melted. It was that high of heat that they used on the clothes and it, it just kind of seems they have no care of, of what happened and, I mean, so much clothes disappeared, just disappeared. I had, we both, my wife and I, our winter jackets in the middle of February just never came back, you know, and they were put in the same bag with other Gosh. clothes that came back. So it's just amazing what just disappears, you know, and I, you, I, you know, I understood that some stuff wouldn't come back because, you know, they don't hire, you know, you know, $50 an hour people, to, you know, to do this dry cleaning and this kind of work. So you expect some stuff to disappear, but it's, but it's just overwhelming of how much actually completely disappears. It, and, it, the, and the same thing goes for service mastery. Like your items get taken off to get cleaned and they just don't come back. I mean, we, our washer and dryer never made it back. You know, it's a little hard to miss. Yeah, you know, it didn't get misplaced. It's just gone. Yeah, how do you lose a washer and dryer? You don't. I mean, some guy named Vinny uh, is selling it on the docks. That's that's what's going on with things like that. Absolutely. And actually, that brings me to another topic or just another point because, um, like, they have uh, electronic restoration companies. And know what you're paying in advance because, luckily, about halfway through the electronic cleaning process, I call and say, hey, what does it cost to clean this stuff? You know, and, you know, he quoted, you know, gave me some quotes like, to clean a keyboard was twenty dollars. Well, I can buy a brand new one for twelve. So sometimes you gotta, you know, make sure you know what you're paying up front because you'll be paying more to clean something you can just throw away and get another one of. And like the wash and dryer, they would charge three fifty a piece, where the dryer was only worth four hundred dollars, brand new. Sure. So you know, you definitely get to know what you're paying for up front. 
Um, on another note, I mean, you mentioned about you know preparation in advance of having like all your receipts saved and all, but I'm sure there's people out there that have houses full of crap that they bought two, three, four, five years ago. They have no receipts for at this point. Do you think it's really a good step to go through and anything of any value? Take a picture of it, make a record in a journal entry, get an approximate market replacement price, and, and kind of keep all of that data safe as well. Uh, absolutely, because I think. Uh one of the biggest things, I guess the most time-consuming things I've had to do is you know, inventory what we lost. And it made it really difficult to decide because we actually filed two claims. One was for the fire, one was for theft. And to separate the two, I had to know everything I had that came back so I could list, you know, what was taken for theft. So it really made it difficult to, you know, to narrow all that stuff down because the insurance company is going to want to know what the item is, you know, your best description, model, make, number, how much you paid for it and about how long you've had it because they do offer well, – what they do is they do the depreciation, but insurance covers replacement costs. And the way that works is say you bought a, a computer for $400 and a year later they depreciate it, so now it's worth about 300 So they'll give you 300 but until you come back with a receipt saying you bought a new one for 400 you won't get that $100. So it will cover replacement car costs, but it's kind of like a catch. You get a – you know provide that you actually bought a new one or replaced that amount worth. And do you have to do that at a cumulative level? Uh, and what I mean is, okay, they depreciate my couch to from 1000 to 600 uh, and they depreciate my computer from 500 to 300 and but but I go out and uh, and I, I I buy a more expensive couch that that goes to the full 1000 but I happen to get a computer for $300, I get a good deal on it. Is like that money move across, or is it item for item? If, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I'm not 100, percent but I'd have to say it's item for item. Okay, the way they do it, because they're going to want a receipt, right? Okay, so it's not like your total claim and versus your total replacement cost, but but item for item, and that seems reasonably fair and 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 makes sense because I can see situations where you know if I find a great computer for 350 bucks, that's what I'm going to buy. Um, and, and then you know they said, well, you still have 150 over here. Use that. That that would be uh, kind of shenan- some shenanigans I wouldn't want to deal with. So that's good to know you don't have to deal with that. But I mean, the the big thing I'm getting for th- from all this is be prepared, but you're never really going to be prepared for it. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, there's just like just the insurance side alone. You know, if, if we want to cover that a little bit, it's just you know, make sure you have it. Because if you don't, you literally have nothing. If you're, especially for renters, you know, it costs, I mean, I'm up in New Hampshire and we're paying like $180 for the year, you know, which is ridiculously cheap when it comes to replacing, you know, everything you own. And, you know, and that insurance covers fires, theft, you know, fl- a lot of times floods, vandalism. So it's not just protection for fire. It's if, if it disappears, you know, then, then you're covered for that because, I mean, just imagine leaving the work and coming home and that's it. You have nothing left, you know, especially for homeowners. Like, they're usually a lot of times their claims are different where they have a cost for the structural damage. You get replacement for that. And then what they call contents is usually is what they'll list the renters also. So your contents is everything that's not tied down attached to the building. So the homeowner or the building owner would cover the building, but you're responsible for coverage of your personal items. Everything you moved in with, is what that would cover, and you got to put a price tag on that. You know what it's worth, and like I said earlier, it's it, you think you know what it's worth, but it's not even close when it comes time to replacing it. Uh, absolutely, I can see that. Um, I, my other thing is, you, you have these two checklists that you were reading off of. Do you think maybe you could make those available, and I could make them available as a download for folks? Absolutely, I'm actually start. I just started a website, started putting it up this week. It's called SurviveTheFire.com, okay. and and on there, there's a Survive the Fire starter checklist, and I'm still adding to it, so hopefully by the time this goes to uh, audio, it'll be up there. And I'm also working on making a workbook for people. You know, I'm not looking to get rich or anything, just uh, just to kind of make it easier. All these checklists will be in there, some, you know, how-to information, what to start looking for, and people can get this book and just start writing. You know, just basically, it'll be fill it out. And you'll have the information you need. Make a copy of it. Give it to a family member, so that way you'll have it. If anything, you know this does ever happen. Okay, well, I'll definitely link to that from the show notes. I guess another question I have for you is: is you, you know you've you've you are a prepper. You've been a prepper, um, but a lot of your preps went up in smoke. Um, so there's probably a big setback there. But was at least the prepper mindset helpful in dealing with this? 
yeah, I think definitely because you kind of I think once you start prepping, you kind of start simplifying also. So, you know, we had just gotten a ton of bins to just, you know, kind of organize and straighten things out. You know, I had started some, uh, like you said, basically everything went, it went in smoke. You know, any of the food I had, because being in an apartment didn't, couldn't really bury it, you know, under the, uh, under the sidewalk. So whatever I had in there. And, and that brings another point. Anything, any food you can't, you can't use over. Um, any like uh, anything basically anything chemical based, just not necessarily the toxins, but the heat changes the chemistry of like makeup and things like that, you know. So those are pretty much all gone, you know. So food, makeup, anything plastic. Um, I've been trying to find research out there where studies have done, you know, what's actually salvageable, what's not salvageable, and there's almost next to nothing. So I don't know if any listeners out there who have information on that, you know, I definitely love get contact me. I would love to throw that in my workbook and. You know, it gives people some definite answers as far as what's salvageable and what's not. It seems like most prescription medications would be gone as well. So, I mean, what I'm hearing here is a whole new case for if you have the means to have some level of your preps outside of your, your, your structure that you live in. Uh, because if that is, that is compromised, that would be a time when you need it the most and it's gone then with the structure. Like my wife said during the Haitian earthquake, if all of those people had been preppers, it wouldn't have mattered much for them because when, you know, four tons of cinder block fall down on your stuff, or in your case, a fire burns it up, it, it's just as good as not there. So it seems like if there's any way you can make allowances for that, and I mean, this is a case where people start to look at, you know, maybe even a small storage unit for some people that don't have any other means makes sense. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you can climate control those storage units, even better because, you know, we get hot summers and cold winters and, you know, that definitely changes the chemistry and just paper, you know, and items like that. And like I stated before, a really good fire and waterproof safe is, you know, is definitely more than indispensable. You just, it's just going to save so much. It really does. And uh, as, as far as um, other contents on insurance, actually, I just wanted to cover this also, is uh, make sure you have enough coverage for what you own because your, you know, um, taxes go up, the price of homes go up and down. So you want to make sure that you have enough insurance because even the home has a limit as far as what's covered. So you want to make sure you have enough that covers the price of your home as well as the contents of your home. Um, a lot of policies only give you like two grand, twenty five hundred for firearms, um, jewelry, furniture, clothes. So there's a lot of little limitations in there you want to make sure you're aware of with your insurance policy. So that way you have, you know, the insurance coverage if you need it for those items. And uh, one of the biggest things I got burned on is is currency. A lot they all have limits on their currency. If you don't have it, or I guess receipts for it, you know, even if it's foreign dollars, silver coins, cash, the limit was two hundred dollars. So if you had two thousand dollars worth of currency, you know, that got stolen, then you're only getting two hundred dollars back for that. And, you know, and 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 that I guess uh, kind of hits home with making sure you put them. In the right place, put them in your safe. You know, just yeah, your fire safe definitely is where your yep. cash needs to be. Or if it's not in your purse, it's on your person or in your pockets. It's, it should be in your fire safe. It's anything more than a hundred bucks. Uh, uh, especially, a lot, I know a lot of you guys out there are investing in silver and gold. And if you have that in a cigar box under your bed or something like that, you are wrong. Um, first of all, it melts really easily, and second of all, it's a lot easier to steal when it's not in a great big honking box uh, that's heavy and weighed down. And uh, so I, I definitely think that that's something people need to consider. And I'll also tell you, um, all this documentation that Mark's talking about, it makes sense. Like documentation today, it's not like the old days where you had to go find somebody with a copy machine. Like we all have computers and printers. Duplicate it and throw a copy of it in. If you have a safe deposit box in your bank safe deposit box, uh, that there's in the data storage industry. You know, the, the only true backup is an offsite backup because if the facility collapses, then you lose the data. And I think we need to take some lessons from that. I mean, you'd probably agree with that after going through all this. Yeah, absolutely. Luckily, you know, I grabbed the laptop. You know, when I left, but I always keep a actually. Uh, it's just a USB drive. And anything important, I put on there and actually leave it at work. So that way, if anything happens at either place, you know, I have the information if I need it. Yeah, I mean, it also makes me think that maybe, you know, consider reconsidering uh, options like Carbonite data backup and stuff like that as well uh, might make a lot of sense. Just for, like, all the pictures that you have on a computer or something like that. There's a lot of people that is, that's that's where all their pictures are is on their computer. 
Um, and if they haven't put them on Facebook or something like that, there's no backups. And maybe they put them on a CD, but if that CD's in a drawer where the computer's sitting on top of it, again, all that data is lost. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, being in the IT field, you know, and handling backups on a regular basis, there's so many friends I have, hey, can you get this information off? And sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. And as far as CDs go, like any CDs or DVDs that even touch the toxic smoke in our house, they kind of started peeling away on the plastic. So even those are unusable. And uh, you definitely want to make sure you have it off-site somewhere, even if it's, you know, in your brother's underwear drawer or something. You definitely want a copy of it somewhere else. Well, um, I, I wish that you had learned these lessons a little bit easier of a way, man, and didn't have to go through all this crap. Um, I, I, again, I am, I am never, I'm never fully amazed, but I'm always dismayed by how how low some forms of life with two legs and two arms actually are uh, to victimize somebody in a situation like you were in. But uh, I do appreciate you coming on the show and sharing this with everybody. Uh, you know, Jack, it's been my pleasure. I, be, I guess I've been wanting to do this, you know, for quite a while now. I've sent you a few emails on it, probably hounded you for a little bit, you know, but I just definitely want to get this information out there because there is none. I tried finding this information myself and there's really nothing out there, you know, that can help you get ready for the people that are just waiting to steal from you, you know, kick you while you're down, so to speak. And, and you know, just, you just want to avoid being burned twice. You know, it's first time, shame on, you know, shame on them. Second time, shame on you. But if, you know, as far as preppers go and the preppers mindset, you know, I knew they could benefit from this kind of information up front. Well, and I think every once in a while we need to kind of back up from the apocalyptic doomsday, uh, survive the collapse scenarios in the Mel Gibson Road Warrior world and get back to the concept that, you know, one of the concepts this show is founded on is the least number of people affected by a given disaster, the more likely it is to happen to you. And in your case, it was you and your family. And I mean, your neighbors probably felt for you and are, but their house didn't burn down and they didn't have to file insurance and they went on with their lives. They may have felt bad for you, that's probably the extent of how it impacted them, other than complaining about the, the crew and their rebuilding stuff making noise. Uh, so that individual disaster is the most likely thing that we're all going to face. And I think a lot of the things that you brought up today have redundancies that would go into other individual disasters, whether it's a storm, whether it's an earthquake, whether uh, whether it's it, it's just pure theft. I think that a theft claim would have many of the same issues. If somebody you went on vacation for a week and came back and all your stuff's either destroyed or stolen, um, you don't have to rebuild the house now, but you're going to have a lot of the same trials. Absolutely. I mean, there's just, like I said, there's just so many little things that wiggle in there and just, you know, wreak havoc on your life. You know, you think things are getting a little better and then something else happens and, and it just, you know, keeps going downhill and down for quite a while. You know, luckily we're, I think we're on the upswing now after a good, you know, seven months of this. And, uh, you know, it, but it's definitely taking its toll on all of us. You know, it's, it's getting, you know, you don't think about it, but emotionally, like, you have a hard time trusting people now. Sure. You know, we, we just spent the week at the gather, at Dave Canterbury's gathering, and luckily, you know, everybody there kind of like the same mindset of you, so that really helped show us that, you know, there are nice people out there, you know, but they're still, you're just very wary of everyone you come in contact with now, that, you know, what do they want from me? What are they trying to take from me? You know, because you are at a low point in your life, and somebody just stepped right over you, like they didn't even care. Looked you right in the face and said, "Yep, yep," and then turned around and just lied right to you. And, and it's and it's hard to get past that feeling. Yeah, and it's got to be difficult because I know I hate being that way. I, I, I'm a very trusting person, despite the industry that I'm in. You know, where you, you think of the person as being generally paranoid, but um, I, I try to trust everybody I can until they give me a reason not to. But I guess it's when you're at your weakest that you need to be your most vigilant. And, uh, like I said, it, it, it does kind of surprise me on some levels, but on other levels, I'm like, yeah, that's how it is. I remember we had a very, very uh, strong tornado move through uh, South Arlington area back in 1998 or 99, uh, the one that kind of blew up the uh, Bank One building in downtown Fort Worth. And uh, the police departments had to camp out on the streets because as soon as the damn thing was through the town, there were people looking to move in and take stuff. And this was a nice neighborhood. That this, you know, it was a, it was a half a mile from my house where these houses were leveled. And it's it's shocking on some levels, but par for the course on others. That right in the middle of that type of disaster, there are people that will go and take from someone who's already lost everything. You're right, absolutely. I mean, there's plenty of you know people out there. 
you know, they're honest by nature, you know, honest most of the time, but you give them that one opportunity where they have a chance to not be honest and, you know, nine times out of ten they'll take that advantage. That's, it's a shame. Uh, just kind of a one more thing to wrap up with. As you're rebuilding your house, are you guys doing anything from a, a fire prevention standpoint that maybe you wouldn't have thought of before? Sprinklers or fire retardants or anything like that? Yeah, we're definitely, uh, Gonna be putting some surveillance systems in there for sure. Off to start, you know, monitoring the driveway and the house itself. Uh, I believe I do believe sprinkler systems are going in there. You know, one thing you got to be aware of is codes change now. You know, it's been 20 years since the house was rebuilt. Sure. Actually, the the city made us keep the foundation, so we had to actually have the foundation restored just because of the small lot size. You know, we couldn't do change to that. There, you know, roof requirements are different, stair requirements are different. So you know, you definitely go through all. A whole nother process of rebuilding, you know, just because of the new codes and stuff like that. Being in the city, I guess out out in the country, it's probably maybe not as thick, but I'm sure they get their codes also. You got to be sure. aware of. Sure, it all depends on how far out you live and how many codes you have to deal with. But I can tell you, even living out in rural county areas, there's certain things that that are very strictly enforced with enforced with code. And in some ways, it's busybodies, but in some ways, it's people trying to prevent what happened to you from happening to somebody else. So there's there's good and bad with that. Well, Mark, hey, I appreciate you coming on the show again, folks. The uh, website Mark set up is called SurviveTheFire.com, and we'll link to it from today's show notes. Mark, you got any final thoughts for folks here as we wrap up today? Uh, yeah, if, I mean, anybody has any questions, I have an email on there. You know, shoot them off to me. I'd love to hear your story. Anybody or knows anybody who's been through this? Cause I think a big part of it for us was, you know, I've never even heard or known anyone to have a house fire till you know till this happened. So uh, if other people have stories out there. You know, I'd love to hear what their story is. You know, just to I guess create more research for me. You know, and uh, I wish everybody well, and hopefully. You, know, you never have to go through this. And if it does happen to you, please contact me, and I'll try to help you out as best I can. All right, Mark. Well, uh, thanks for sharing all that, and thanks for being so open and honest and sharing you know, the good and the bad and some things that were probably tough to, uh, to go back through. We appreciate you for it. You're welcome, Jack. Thank you. All right, folks. And with that, this has been Jack Spirico today along with Mark Holly, uh, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Revolution is you.